0: You're very welcome along to the gardening programme on this Saturday morning. Good morning to you, Poric.
1: Good morning, dear, dear, dear Good morning, listeners. And what a fantastic autumn we're having, isn't it? Uh,
0: that word, There's a word in the forecast this morning, which is not one that usually is uh, thrown into weather forecasts. benign. But in fairness, it's doing it a bit of a dis- it, an injustice because it was such a spectacular It's It week. has been
1: absolutely fabulous. And you can see it with the autumn foliage shrubs like the lovely smokebush trees and the liquid ambers we talked about last week. They're holding their colour f- fabulously this year because we have no heavy rain and we have no wind to take the leaves off. And the cooler tempers temperatures, the sugars, the, the chlorophyll is now beginning to disappear. So those true colours of the plant, it's like the rainbow. In the leaf, you've got all those magical colours and the chlorophyll tends to mask it during the summer. And once we get into the cooler temperatures and shorter days, that sh- those sugars are returning to the roots of plants. So they're exposing the lovely red colours and autumn colours that we, we see at the moment. And the shumax in particular, rust the Schumach tree is beautiful this year. I was traveling around mm. a bit yesterday um, for work purposes and just admiring, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people, I'm looking into the gardens as I drive along. But the autumn colors, I thought particularly this year, it's been a really, really good autumn and quite a dry autumn Um, and, you know, really, really good planting weather. And it's interesting, I was listening to the uh, farming on RTE on the way up this morning and and the the tillage farmers were talking about they're ploughing the crops for next year already. So the winter barley is going in and all the broad beans are going in for fodder crops. So weather conditions from a farming perspective Perspective have been really good, and for gardeners, it's been it's been a brilliant autumn. You know, it really has been an opportunity for people to go out and em- embrace uh, the garden. And and you know, the weather is going to break on Monday. So my advice is really to make use of today and tomorrow to get all those planting and sowing jobs done, because uh, we're into wet weather and, and windy weather next week. So today and tomorrow, the high pressure stays with us. So make use of. The, the two great days that we're yeah. going to have you know and i know people have been we've been very busy and, and people have been gardening and um, so so it's really good at the moment so it's it's typical things that we've been covering for the last couple of weeks you know it's the planting of the japanese onion sets the garlics should be planted now i brought you actually in a variety germador which is a lovely french garlic which is um it's a mild flavor garlic you know some yeah. people don't like the really strong flavor garlic and this is a lovely variety because the The uh, bulbs are actually purple in colour, so when you plant it, and the skin is a purplish colour, but it's got this lovely mild-flavoured garlic. So if you're not a big fan of garlic, but you you still like, you know, to to use it and maybe have the taste to it, that's a particularly, Germador, it's a particularly good variety. And when you buy it as a bulb, they're quite big bulbs I was they very big ones. Yeah. Yeah. and each of those will break into about six or seven smaller cloves that then you separate kind of six inches apart and stick them into the ground and even though we'll get cold weather that's actually what garlic needs it's one of these plants that really uh, needs the cold weather before it initiates growth and once we get a couple of weeks of cold weather it'll actually start into growth but also the red onion sets they go in now these, that's a variety called electric which again is um, a mild flavoured onion it's one that you can actually eat raw uh, so if you plant them now, you can use them as greens over the winter and spring period, and then they'll produce the full-size Bulbs by May or June of next year. Um, so we're already thinking that. But I also brought you in, probably, uh, a, a, and the, uh, these only come into the centre in the last week or two. So we normally don't get them, but okay. this year they've come available. It's a shallot variety. It's called um, Giselle. It's supposed to be the original shallot or the shallot. So a lot of our uh, chefs will know this particular bulb. It's called a Banana. Banana, um, a banana shallot. shallot. So because that's
0: the the shape of the it, yeah. Because yeah, you do see those sometimes uh, available, and I, I would be a big fan of shallots more so than onions because yeah. I just think there's a there's a sweetness to them. The,
1: and particularly with this variety, Giselle, it, it is seen by the restaurateur people as the shallot, the the French shallot. Yeah. I don't think there's any snobbery around yeah. it. It's just that it has a fantastic sweet flavour, and because it's a banana shallot, it it's actually bigger and easier to to chop and and, oh, and so well on but you plant it at this time of year so look for that in your local garden centre There's one I'll called see. Giselle it's often sold as loose bulb or in packets and plant that you can plant it now it's quite a big bulb the bulb is nearly the size of a tulip bulb yeah. and you just you plant it so that the nose the top of it is just peeping out through the soil and that will continue to grow through the winter and you'll harvest it kind of again around May, June sort of period just coming into the summer period
0: and would one bulb like that produce many shallots yeah well,
1: that's the thing about shallots they differ to traditional sets or onions in that normally a set would produce, like that um, electric that I showed Mm. you, that produces one big bulb, whereas a shallot will break up into many pieces. So from this one bulb, it will produce probably six.
0: So they're almost like fingers, is Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And
1: they are literally, as they're growing, they burst out. You can actually feel the various bulbs within and they actually split apart and form several. So from the one bulb, you'll get five or six plant. So keep that in mind. You don't need to plant too many of them. Um, but you can use them in the green during the spring and then use the bulb during the, the summer period. And also it's the time, you know, don't don't forget to plant the bulbs now, This the flowering bulbs in particular, get those in. Um, there has been a big run on those in garden centres right around the country. So I wouldn't leave it. Till, you can still plant them in November, but they'll be all gone. Right. So if you're thinking of putting in a few spring flowering bulbs to cheer you up next spring, next February and March, then do it this weekend if you can planting for Halloween for a bit of colour maybe for Halloween and for Christmas again if you want to you know the, the hanging baskets and window boxes are getting a bit tired now the cold weather will see them off probably in the next couple of, of okay. days or weeks so it's a good idea to repot them now while the weather is still good and again i would be kind of planting up I brought you in a lovely variety of heather isn't that fabulous that is
0: fabulous absolutely
1: so it's, it's this is one of the uh, twin heathers it's got two dif- they call it the twin girls so there's a range of heathers called the garden girls but this is the twin girls because you've got two different colours in the one pot so it's got a white heather and a red Heather together, which contrast beautifully together. So they can be used in window boxes, patio planters, just for a a bit of colour uh, for cheering you up over the Halloween sort of Christmas period. And they will stay in flower right up until March of next year. But also you can add things like the cyclamen, which are beautiful at the moment, just starting to flower. The the little primulas are available at the moment. You've also got the winter pansies, winter violas. And beneath all of those, plant some spring balls. Put in some red riding hood tulips or Cape Cod tulips and they'll come up in the springtime. Yeah. And again, a lovely project to do with kids. You'll plant a window box in one or two of them within half an hour. Easy. And the, the old compost, you're better, the, the compost that's in the containers at the moment. Put that on your compost heap or spread it around the garden um, and put in. start off with fresh, fresh compost again. If you've got really deep pots, then you only need to take off maybe eight or nine inches of the old compost. What remains it can stay in situ right. and you just top up. Yeah, there's no need to change in bigger pots. But for window boxes, hanging baskets or shallower pots, do replace the soil. You see the roots anyway have gone down right to the bottom. But for deeper pots, say so you've got a pot that's 18 inches or two feet deep, mm. then only remove half the compost and leave the remaining compost. There's still plenty of nutrition in that. Uh, So just add in some fresh compost and replant. So, you know, think about that because there's lots of plants that flower through the winter period. And, and and, And the beauty about winter flowering plants is because the temperatures are so cool, it's like putting a fresh bouquet into a fridge it lasts and lasts and lasts. Okay. So that
0: the te- the temperatures the
1: cooler temperatures actually enabled that. Yeah, they they slow up the flowering process. So plants that generally flower like winter heathers, they flower for literally five months. They're it's incorrect to call them winter heathers because they flower into nearly early summer. Some of the varieties like merton ruby will flower up till May. I also brought you in the Christmas rose or helleborus.
0: Yeah, I'm quite a fan of this. Ah, these are lovely yeah, plants. I, I love them.
1: And they're so easy to grow and they come into flower at this time of year. So this is one called Christmas carol. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. D- d- dare I mention that word? But there's yeah, lots of different varieties of helleborus or Christmas rose. Um, and they just produce these lovely flowers right through from now. I mean, they generally stay in flower till April or, you know, certainly up till early May. And mm. um, they come in red forms, pink forms. This is the white form Christmas carol. And it just continues to flower. Look at all the little flower buds. Lots and coming lots of them
0: coming on there. Them. So yeah. they're
1: lovely. They're perennials. So they come back year after year. And I think if you plant them out of doors in pots containers but you can plant them out in your garden soil as well they make a lovely ground cover and again to plant underplant them with some spring bulbs so you can imagine um, a narcissi called Tate to Tate, which is yellow and orange coming up through this in late february early march to add to the color and both plants will work together as a companion plant for many many years mm-hmm. so heliborus is a perennial plant it spreads a bit like the way rhubarb spreads it it, it Increases in size every year, and all you do when the flowers begin to fade in early spring is take the hedge clippers to them, foliage and flowers. You chop it back; and and it, it just it. regrows again. And I can actually
0: uh, uh, confirm that because um, one of my family members had one last year, and it, it was dying back. And yeah. they they thought they thought that was going to be it. And I said, "No, Pork says cut it, chop it, chop it." Yeah. And we literally took the garden yeah. shears, cut it back to the quick. Yeah and the next thing was within three weeks yeah. it had started to grow again yeah. and I think my family member was very suspicious as to whether I was doubting me. Uh, imparting me. the correct, well no, whether I was interpreting what you were yeah. saying correctly okay. I think yeah, not doubting you yeah, at all, yeah, doubting yeah. me for sure but anyway, the thing is, yeah they do and it is, I can see it growing now and uh, it's going to be spectacular and again this lov- year yeah.
1: Lovely plant. so the increase in size, so look for those in your local garden centre, Heliborus or Christmas Rose, a range of different colours, great crown covering plant a kind of a tough hardy plant that you just it's a no-nonsense plant literally hedge clippers do it once a year and that's it forget about it for the rest of the year but do underplant it with spring balls because I think it, it gives a lovely show in the, in the springtime also the sowing of seed so I brought in kind of some of the speedy veg and things like broad beans can still be sown from seed out of doors. so the soil conditions are ideal for the sowing of seed wildflower seed as well it can be sown and indeed if listeners are ready at that point to sow a lawn I would still sow it so right, rather I think there
0: might be a couple of questions. Yeah, that so rather
1: than leaving it over till, but try and get it in this weekend before mm-hmm. the rain comes because the soil conditions are still very workable. And if you sow, I actually repaired a couple of spots in my own lawn three weeks ago and the seed is up. I've actually mowed it once already. Uh, so, you know, seed will germinate within a three-week period at this time of year. You were talking about 12 degrees to 14 degrees. Mm. And so, you know, by, by the end of, by mid-November, that seed will actually have germinated. So my advice is to take the opportunity of the weather and get that seed in. Speaking about lawns, give them a mow. You know, this weekend if you can, uh, raise the blades slightly higher and give them a trim. Just keep them neat. You may have to give them one or m- more between now and and but um, kind of Christmas. But yeah. using this kind of cooler, drier weather, just to give the lawn to keep it tidy, um, and also do get the lawn uh, the moss control on put on the zero now in dry weather it'll work overnight and give the lawn a feed and that'll really see it see it off and again it's it's a good time of year if you want to add a bit of colour to lawns to plant a few spring balls a few crocuses coming up yeah. in the springtime are always lovely or a few yeah. snowdrops um, is really good so that's the type of jobs you know it's really the kind of planting and sowing um, you know if you're thinking about hedges we covered them last week do, do get them in at this time of year um, and also remember that there's lots of plants that flower through the winter shrubs like Viburnum tinus um, Um, Things like Mahonia, which is lovely, Saracaca, which is the sweet box, which has lovely scented white flowers through the winter period, and Viburnum bodnutensis dawn, which is a... Oh, that sounds (coughs)
0: extraordinary.
1: It's one of my favourite winter flowering plants because it actually flowers on the naked stems, so it, it drops its leaves. Yeah. And it produces these lovely pink scented flowers and they flower all winter long. So it's a plant called Viburnum bodnantense dawn. A really easy garden shrub. It grows to about six feet in height and produces these flowers all winter long. And you can cut the flower, cut the stem and I often put, you know, stick it on into the car. Yeah. So when you're driving along you've got this lovely, it smells like a hyacinth. It's got that really sweet uh, you yeah. know, fragrance. The and it's a floral
0: fragrance. Yeah, and it's
1: a lovely pink flowering, and it's a really easy gardening plant to plant. So, why
0: so burn him so. one more time?
1: Bodnantensis, Bodnantensis Dawn. Dawn. Yeah, dawn. if you ask the so there's a couple of winter flowering uh, viburnums. There's one called uh, Viburnum tinus or Viburnum tinus Eve Price, which is an evergreen shrub with white flowers, which flowers through the winter, but there's no scent from that. The one you're looking for is Viburnum bodnantense's Dawn. It's got pink flowers. It starts to flower around now and will continue right through until March of next year. But it's a beautiful scented. The scent is fabulous, like I say. It's lovely, that sweet scent. You know, when you go into the garden mm. and you just go, Aw. oh. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this, this is what gardens are so, about. Yeah, so remember, there are lots of plants that do offer good winter flower colour. And thinking about spring, um, it's time as well to plant wallflowers. The old, so mm-hmm. Particularly the old cottage garden plants like wallflowers, sweet williams, double daisies, forget-me-nots. You'll get those in small plants and garden centres at the moment. They're perfectly hardy out of doors. So you plant them out now. Put maybe some spring tulips between them. So the wallflowers will flower in April, the tulips will flower in April as well, and the tulips will rise above the wallflowers, wallflowers. and give you a beautiful colour. And the wallflowers protect the tulips. So if you get a bit of windy weather in April or May, the wallflower is a very bushy little plant yes. that covers itself in flower. And the, the combination of both, um, you know, is... is um, is, is well worth putting together. Um, and, and so so that's one to look out for. Wallflowers and tulips, plant them together. Sweet Williams, double daisies, forget-me-nots. They're the sort of plants I'd be planting. So make good use of the the next two days. Yeah. Get out the garden hoe as well.
0: And, and give an old
1: skim to the... Yeah, go around the garden and just hoe off any weeds that might be there. Again, this sort of weather is perfect for those type of jobs. Brilliant. So there's no excuse. No Blanked excuse whatsoever. <laughs> <to be done.
0: laughs> okay, we're going to talk about apple trees, Porik. I are. think. Yeah. So the best time, uh, more. We're going to go on the okay. WhatsApp first. Yes, Sorry, perfect. I beg your pardon. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Mora has a question regarding the apple trees. Uh, They don't seem to be doing so well and they're sown about five years old. Thinking of moving them to a more sheltered place. Good
1: idea, yeah. Yeah, well, the thing with apple trees is that they come into flower in early spring and unless we get the uh, really cool or or dry, calm sort of um, temperatures, then the bees won't visit the flowers. So apples can often flower really well, but if the weather is a bit inclement at that time of year, you don't get the cross-pollination, hence you get a poor crop. So more is dead right to move them into a reasonably sheltered spot. It needs to be open, you know, relatively sunny, open to the um, good air movement and and kind of a bright sheltered spot. The time to move them, and five years old, they're still relatively young trees, so there'll be absolutely no problem transplanting them. But the time to do that is when the leaves fall off in about a month's time. So when you see the last of the leaves uh, fall falling off the apple trees, move them then. I would advise trimming them back. So remove about two feet off the top of all the of the branches. So cut them back. Um, normally we cut back apple trees at this time of year or in, in November by two thirds of this year's growth. So if they've made nice strong growth, which they should have this year, you shorten them back by two thirds. So that'll be 18 inches to two feet taken off the tops of the plants. Dig them up, replant them at the same level and make sure you put a stake on them to have them nice and secure and they'll come into growth perfectly fine, perfectly happy. You need to space them about 15 feet apart if they're regular apple trees. If they're the dwarf varieties like the coronet apple trees obviously you won't be pruning them as severe because they're they're, um, slow growing you'll only be taking probably six inches off them and um, so if they're the really dwarf coronets they can be moved as well, and they can be planted closer together, they only need to be planted maybe four feet or five feet apart because they're a lot more compact. But the moving of trees and the moving of plants, first of all, evergreen plants. So if you want to move an evergreen Mm. plant, so a camellia or rhododendron or something that retains its leaf, then this weekend is the time to do that early autumn before, right? So any of the evergreens can be moved, no problem at this time of year. Deciduous plants that shed their leaves like apple trees and pear trees and broadleaf trees like cherry trees and maples, they're moved once the leaf falls off the plant. And So we, we leave the general transplanting of plants until November. And you want to pick the weather as well. It needs to be this sort of weather, nice and cool, um, you know, relatively dry, that it's not too messy yeah. a job. And, uh, you know, and that kind of cold bit of frost stops plants in their growth as well. It makes them dormant. So it's it's a really good time for transplanting them. Because they're kind of asleep. They're asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The same happens, funnily enough, in, in Italy, in the, really, or in the Mediterranean during the warm summers, when they get a really warm period in July and August because because of the heat plants actually stop growing and they often transplant plants in the middle of the summer because the plants have gone to sleep.
0: So it's kind of in the reverse to it's, us really.
1: Yeah well they can still move them in the winter but just because of that heat plants actually stop this growing okay. whereas in Ireland we don't because of our temperate climate plants are growing literally from March right through until now so we don't get that opportunity to transplant plants during the summer months. Um, but it's done during the autumn so November right through to March is the time move them.
0: Okay, so we've some pictures in Porik. There's the
1: plant I was talking about last week. Yeah, that's what they're just saying.
0: So uh, these are the African lily type flowers, Porik mentioned, uh, that are in bloom at this time of the year. Absolutely beautiful and they do look gorgeous, beautiful uh, kind of different shades of reds and pinks there. So Um, this is
1: the kaffir, kaffir lily. Um, K-A-F-F-E-R I think memory serves me right Chisotilus what a mouthful I but it's adjust. a really beautiful plant easy to grow it's in full flower at the moment remember somebody asked a question that they were admiring a red flower now it, can be, it yeah. could be many things but I was just particularly admiring them myself in the last couple of weeks and they come in red and pink
0: um, so uh, there's another flower which is fabulous at the moment, which is a type of begonia, and they've given us a photograph, I think, yeah, of there's this. A begonia. That's
1: yeah, the red tuberous begonia. Which so, are lovely at the moment. So and that is
0: the question. Give, give it again the name of this, please. So
1: this is this is one of the um, tuberous begonias. a red flowering tuberous begonia, um with both single and double flowers. Um, and they will continue to flower. Begonias are still in bloom and they'll flower until we get the really hard frost. The difference here is the begonia needs to be taken in for the winter. The kafir lily can stay out of doors perfectly happy um, you know it's, it's a bulb at the end of the day a bit like a daffodil bulb but it flowers at this time of year
0: somebody has just sent us in a lovely photograph of their autumn colours in their garden it's yeah, just gorgeous it's, gore, a, it's just really
1: really good year for, for autumn colour and, and it's only going to get better they're really only beginning to turn now so uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a fantastic autumn for, for leaf colour
0: where are we with cutting back roses at the moment
1: well again many roses are in flower um, so if they're still in bloom then um, leave them alone um, uh, you know, they're they're perfectly fine and, and don't prune them till November. If they've gone out of flower and they're looking a bit dishevelled and you want to tidy them up, then you can certainly do that now. If you are trimming roses back at this time of year or indeed in November, do remember to put on the winter wash. So once you've pruned them, you mix up a little solution of winter wash and that controls any bugs it kind of cleanses the, the stems and the branches and the soil uh, of uh, pests in particular and um, so that's normally done anytime time once you've them back so yeah. if they've gone out of flower and they're looking a bit sad then by all means tidy them up if they're still flowering leave them alone I was in Newport actually last um, Sunday for a spin and uh, I was admiring the flower carpet roses along by the river there as you're leaving oh beautiful well, yeah there's a little picnic table I was sitting down and there were the fl- roses and them still flowering yeah, there's lots of roses so I
0: see in blue. Leave them alone yeah. if they're
1: in flower. Don't leave them until November.
0: Knock the full value out exactly. of them while you have exactly, them. Exactly, yeah. Uh, now, I collected conkers yesterday Probably. and I'd like to grow some trees. What's the best way to achieve this? Okay,
1: so um, look, and it's a great time of year. It's nature's time, you see, for sowing seed. People forget that, that, you know, all the... the um, all the berries that are being produced in the mountain ash and the conkers and so on, nature is is casting them now onto the soil. And many, many seeds need the chill of winter to initiate germination, to break down the the, um, seed dormancy. And conkers are the same. So all you need to do is literally open up the conker, take out the black seed and the brown seed inside, and sow it in pots or containers or out in the garden soil. So you can make up a small little ridge in your garden, <clears throat> rake off the soil, take the conquerors, push them down into the soil about two to three inches and leave them for the winter. And they'll be perfectly fine. They'll need the chill of winter. They'll germinate next spring. Now, not all conquerors tend to germinate in the first year. So you might need to leave them one to two years in the bed. Some will, and some will come the, the second year. And that happens with, with uh, things like white thorn as well. If you sow it from seed, you get maybe 30 or 40% germination year one and another 40% in year two. Year two. So seeds can, can vary in their germination. But this is the time of year. Great little project for kids to do again.
0: Absolutely. Uh, another tree question. When can I trim hazelnut trees? They're very high. I don't think they've been trimmed in years. In years,
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> hazelnuts respond very well to pruning back. So there's no problem... Um, you can do them now if you wish, you know, the weather is, we're kind of on that bordering yeah. normally I would say in November, but with the weather being so good and so suitable, the trimming back of um, hazelnuts can be done at this time of year, as indeed most fruiting plants, uh, apples can be done, um, cherries are left over till springtime, but blackcurrants and gooseberries and all of those plants can be trimmed now. So there's no problem trimming the hazel wood and you can trim it quite severely and it will reshoot again.
0: OK, great. We have somebody who's got blackcurrant bush in a pot and they're wondering when should they plant it in the ground? Well, anything
1: that's in a pot, in a container, it's no more different than when you're buying a plant in the local garden centre. It's in a pot, so it's nicely contained. There's no root disturbance by taking a plant. You're slipping the pot off the plant and putting it into the soil. Hence, there's no root disturbance. So you're not physically digging it up out of the ground and moving it. So anything that's in a pot can be transplanted at any time of year. So Do it this weekend. Transplant your blackcurrant out into the garden soil. Remember, it makes a big plant. It'll grow six feet in diameter. It'll grow anything up to five or six feet in height. So give it space. And um, it's also the time of year for pruning back blackcurrants as well. So give them a little bit of pruning and transplant it.
0: Okay, great. Uh, we've got a photograph of uh, a hanging basket still giving great it's colour fabulous. from uh, Marie and Knock. Thanks, yep. indeed. And, still
1: leave, and those that are flowering, leave them alone and let them continue to bloom.
0: OK, um, now, do I need to put feed? There's a couple of questions here on this one from Margaret. Do I need to put feed in when doing up pots for winter flowering plants? Should they be fed during the winter? Part two, what do I use on begonias after lifting to preserve them? And three, can forest flame that has gone very bare, especially at the bottom, be cut back at this time?
1: Yeah, I would prune, leave the forest flame until springtime. So the pruning of forest flame should be done as we're coming into March, early April, before the new growth starts. So that's the time to prune it. So leave it for this year, give it a good trimming back um, in in early spring and feed it at that time of year and it will respond to that really well and you'll also still get the lovely colour. In relation to the begonia, now they're still in flower, so don't be be tempted too early wait until the frost kind of knock them back and kill them back again. You'll probably get another three or four weeks out of begonias yet but once that happens, lift the bulb, lift the tuber, take off any compost or soil from it, let it dry out and then shake a little bit of sulphur uh, yellow sulphur mm-hmm. uh, get that in your local garden centre it's a powder and it's a fungicide and it just protects them and then wrap them up in newspaper and the benefit of doing that is that next spring when they start to sprout you can split them and make two or three plants from them in relation to the feeding of plants no if you're liquid feeding from now on is not required for outdoor plants and um, but what you can do if you're doing up your window box or containers add some slow release fertilizer to the soil and the way that so- slow release that's the little granules you buy in the garden centre. It's sold as slow release fertiliser and that works with the temperatures of the soil. So when the temperatures is beginning to warm up, the fertiliser is released. When the temperatures are cold, the fertiliser stays dormant. So it only releases the fertiliser when the plants are physically growing because you don't want to be making them soft this time of year with liquid feed. So add a little bit of uh, slow-release fertilised the compost, plant your plants and then they'll be perfectly fine for the winter.
0: OK, now we have um, mm. a listener who has bought a lavender plant Great. recently and they'd like to know how they plant it in the garden now or should they keep it in the pot over winter and plant it next spring in the Ballycroy area?
1: OK, so quite a windy, open area and, and lavender will tolerate that. What lavender dislikes is wet soils. So it's a Mediterranean plant. It normally grows in gravel and grit and that's what you've got to replicate. And you can do that quite easily in a pot and they actually love been grown in pots and containers. So get yourself some good quality compost, add some perlite or sand or little pebbles to that, which, first of all, impoverishes the soil. It takes a bit of the nutrition away from the lavender, which it actually needs. Too rich a compost will actually rot lavender. So it needs a little bit of hardship. And so you want a nice gritty compost, so plenty of pea gravel, perlite or vermiculite or sand, gritty sand mixed through the compost. And I would nearly go half and half. Half grit, half compost, with with the thing, and put it into a pot, and it'll be lovely for the for the autumn and for next year. Indeed, you can plant it in the soil, but the soil needs to be exceptionally free draining. Right. So, a raised bed, lots of grit and gravel. Really, you know, when you put the spade into the ground, that it actually crunches with the with the with the. Uh, with the grit. Um, so a really gritty mixture is required for la- lavender. So it's not the frost and the and the cold that kills them, it's the wet. It's the wet. The dampness. The, uh, yeah.
0: and, the, and rich soils.
1: And, and too rich of soil, yeah. yeah. You get too leggy growth. If anything, lavender, the, the, the more impoverished the soil, you know, you think of the soils of Italy, of some of the soils of Italy, mm. where olive trees grow. You know, <laughs> They
0: nearly grow and there's very little uh, richness <laughs> exactly. in it. Exactly, yeah, and,
1: yeah. and lavender loves that. It keeps okay. it compact and it keeps it flowering better. <clears throat> Great. When can we sow nasturtiums? Well, not until next spring. Nasturtiums are, are a half-hardy annual, which means that the frost will kill them. So if you sow the seeds now and you put them outside, the frost, the first frost is going to murder them. So you can collect the seed if you have nasturtiums in your garden, collect the seeds now um, and store them over the winter in a little bit of brown paper. Sow them indoors in March or sow them out of doors at the end of April and you'll have lots of great colour again the next year.
0: Okay, great. And one more maybe before we uh, take a break. Um, ask Pork to list the best perennials that grow close to the seed. Do you plant them now?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good time for growing herbaceous. Uh, So perennials is a plant that comes back year after year. And you're looking for ground covering, uh, probably relatively low growing perennials for seaside areas where where they do well. In flower at the moment are the beautiful sedums, sedum spectabilis, which we call the ice plant. It only grows about 18 inches in height. Really good in seaside locations. It does really well. Some of the dwarf salvias, there's a range of different salvias, which are perennial, ground covering um, and do really well in in seaside areas. Crocrosmy, you know, the lovely Montbrief. Yes, and I love there's a variety those. called Lucifer, and you'll often see the, the common one growing wild in, in seaside areas. But Lucifer is that beautiful red, Lucifer the devil, <laughs> it's yes, got that fiery red it flower. It grows about a metre high, but does spectacularly well in, in seaside locations. So you're looking for those, Rudbeckia, which again, it's still in flower, it's beautiful at the moment. There's dwarf varieties of uh, Rudbeckia that you can get. Shasta daisies do well in seaside areas. My advice is pop into your local garden centre. Maybe take a picture of, of the area that you're looking to plant and get their advice. But you're looking for dwarf, compact, um, hardy, seaside perennials and there's, there's a whole range of different ones that, that can be grown. That can be grown. Great yeah. stuff.
0: Okay, question on a pyrocantha. Could I move a pyrocantha or would it survive? If so, when would be the best time to move
1: it? Yeah, you know the pyrocantha. Yes. Beautiful yeah. plant, lovely berries at this time of year. Um Actually, it's an evergreen shrub so now is the time to transplant it and it transplants relatively well. I would shorten it back a little bit so any of the shoots that are not that don't contain any berries at the moment, cut those back. So maybe reduce the height of it by two feet. Um, so trim it back, lift it at this time of year and this weekend would be an ideal time to do that and transplant it and make sure you secure it in well, either stake it or firm it in well after planting.
0: Now I have a large area of cobble lock at the front of the house and moss growing in between. It's a nuisance. I spent this week cleaning it all away. Well done. <laughs> is there anything I could treat it with to stop regrowth? Th- and thank you for your lovely programme. Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah well and again this is the time of year for treating moss not just in the lawn but in hard surface areas as well because look, the weather conditions are conducive to the spread of, of moss at the moment. Um, you can use the pack treatment. Now pack normally works when the moss is present so you know, maybe leave it a week or two um, and if there's any bits of moss that are re- regrowing, the pack will control that. So it's a, it's a liquid, you mix it in water and apply it onto the hard surface areas and that'll see it off. And there's no need to, you know, the listener probably went through, you know, physically removed the moss, you know, by, by scuffling it out or by with a sharp knife or something. There's no need to do that if you use the pack on a regular basis.
0: Okay, super. Uh, now can you tell me if, if there's anything for weeds in between the shrubs and roses? other than the hoe with, with a smiley <laughs> face, no less.
1: Well, look, the, I mean, the garden hoe is a great way to, to keep them controlled. You can use mulches as well, you know, some bark mulch or some, um, you know, uh, some of the bark mulch in particular is probably the main mulching or gravel is often used as well. You know, I'm not a big fan of using herbicides between shrubs because you en- invariably end up damaging them and, and um, physically damaging them. So maybe stay away from the weed killers and use either physical mulches like bark mulch or Uh, the garden on a regular basis keeps them and try to plant shrubs when you're planting shrubs you know I I often talk about this drift method where you're planting maybe a cluster of the same variety of shrub I mean the ultimate what you want to do is to cover the soil with the plant so if you plant like plant Mm. viburnum tinus, I mentioned which is an evergreen shrub if you plant those say two feet apart in time they'll actually merge together and they'll cover the soil And so physically the weeds can't grow. It's the best way of weed control, really. Planting a little bit closer and allowing the plants, particularly if you plant um, three or four of the same variety of plant because it ultimately ends up as one big, large clump of Viburnum tinus that might be covering a a 10 foot wide area or a six foot wide area or whatever. And you're kind of smothering out the weeds. That way, and that's that's the best ultimate way of keeping, of keeping weed control. Because yeah, otherwise, you're going to do some damage with using weed killers.
0: So, where you have the bare patches, really in the in the flower bed or whatever it is, or whatever yeah. yeah yeah, put some That's that's what that's in. your you're you're enabling space for the weeds to exactly.
1: grow. Exactly, and we often I often hear me talking about the mare's tail, you know, the, the perennial mm. mare's tail, and that's probably the best thing that I have found over the years is by planting plants that grow taller than it and that fill out the soil. It they physically suppressed. The, the, the mayor's tale. Competition, Competition is the best thing rather than using herbicides.
0: Fantastic. Uh, can I set any type of veg straight into the ground outdoors at this time of year? And if so, what? Would they be better in raised beds or or is that just a comfort thing to help them against the frost?
1: Well, the thing about the raised bed is that it makes it easier for you to to, to manage, right? Yeah. You tend the soil tends to be drier in a raised bed, physically because it's it's whatever it's elevated two or three feet above the ground, so the drainage tends to be better. And frost, um, generally at this time of year and over the winter, we get ground frost, which you know is at that grass level or soil level. So a raised bed tends to um, evade certainly most of the frost and particularly oh, right. the yeah because you know ground frost starts at the ground physically and and penetrates the soil and and um, moves there up so if if a bed is raised maybe three feet above it gets less frost and um, so the growth tends to be that little bit better having said all of that there's nothing wrong with planting um, all the plants i mentioned the japanese onion sets the shallots the garlic the um, speedy veg seed broad beans can be sown from seed pop into your local garden centre, they'll have a whole range of bulbs and seeds. They may even have some plants and um, then you know they may have at this time of year vegetable plants for planting but certainly there's lots of seeds that can still be sown
0: now somebody's wondering how high do portuguese laurel or boxwood hedging grow i have a small area of garden uh, and i'd like to have a low maintenance um but uh, as i'm moving on in years um and but i love the garden so right
1: well there's a big difference between boxwood and portuguese laurel in terms of even the growth rate and the, and the overall physical height so i have a Portuguese laurel that's probably 12 feet in the back of my garden that I never prune, I've just let it grow. And uh, so, but having said that, you can manage both of them to whatever height you want. So, if you want a really low hedge, maybe a foot high, two feet high, the boxwood is a better option because it's really, really slow growing and is very suitable for tight trimming and keeping really short. If you want, say, something a meter high, three feet, four feet, five feet high, then the Portuguese laurel is a really good option. Now, remember, Portuguese laurel needs a sheltered garden and it needs relatively good soil but it is a beautiful hedge uh, and really nice. Holly for me as well the smooth-leaf hollies like Golden King um, are fabulous as well. They're they're beautiful and they bear the berries in the winter, which is nice as well. Yeah. So and that's you know it's for again maybe a, a hedge that might be you know four to five feet high that's slow growing. The the variegated. Okay, and they're
0: holly. not too prickly, are they? No, no
1: it's a smooth, smooth. golden okay. king is a very smooth leaf. There's no there's no nope. thorns on it really. It's a beautiful variegated holly, bright yellow leaves with a green centre, bright red berries which are on them at the moment, and. Um, again a lovely hedge and lovely to cut it at Christmas time with the berries on it you know and use it for wreaths and that type of thing but there's very very little thorns Great. Oh, yeah.
0: Now we've got a question on bay leaf standards, Porik. I'm mm. um, wondering what to do with them. They're of period dead, but they've produced shoots from the bottom and also at the top, says
1: Mary. Okay, so by, the, by, by standard, Mary means that they have the lollipop shape. They've got the clean stem with a nice round head. Now, something has happened to those boxwoods. They've died physically on the top. So it was either, particularly when we had the really, really cold winters uh, of 9 and 10, um, box, or, uh, bay, leaf. bay leaf suffered badly and they were, were they were killed to soil level, but they have the great ability of reshooting again. So they're one of these plants that are nearly indestructible. Now, if, if they get dry, yeah. that can happen as well. Now, so the top section is dead. So Mary should cut back the main stem and get rid of the head of the laurel uh, of the bay leaf, uh, because that's not going to, to regrow again. And the young growth that's coming from the base can be either shaped or trimmed into whatever shape Mary wants to create yeah. um, it'll be very difficult to get it back to the standard again because that's generally done in a nursery and there's a, a technique to that but you can grow it perfectly fine as a garden shrub and it'll take all the trimming in the world and it's a beautiful
0: it is foliage
1: plant mm. and fabulous scent and it's a great herb so it'll grow perfectly fine.
0: Okay. Now, uh, the listener who sent in uh, the message about the azalea and sent us a photograph, I think you may have sent the photograph via uh, text rather than WhatsApp. And we, we were only able to accept photos via WhatsApp, I'm afraid. So maybe give us uh, give us a try that again. It's if, the same if number. If you don't mind. And, yeah. Same number, exactly. Yeah, just uh, di- different, di- different app. Now, what's the right way to sew daffodils? Is there such a thing? The best way to take cuttings from laurels?
1: Well, is there any wrong way to sow daffodils? Will be my question. Here is the here is the daffodil that. Speaking of. Yeah, so this is jetfire that I absolutely love. I have these grown in my driveway, so they're actually growing in gravel, no soil, no soil. <laughs> no, soil. No, soil. no soil, no soil at, at, at all. all, and they're there about ten years. And they're absolutely lovely. Every spring, they come up six inches, they put a beautiful flower, they die back and they're growing in gravel. Uh, you know, and, and probably over the years, there's little bits of soil that yeah. has got down into the gravel, but they absolutely thrive in gravel. So is there any wrong way to plant them? The answer is no. And the great thing about bulbs, I think I said this to you before, that they've got these um, contract roots. So if you even plant your daffodil too shallow, the bulb will actually move down into the soil. They've got these springy um, roots that actually pull the bulb down into the soil. So bulbs react to to the blue filter, blue light, mm. and they'll go to the depth that they're not receiving that blue light. Oh, yeah, that's the technical okay. jar thing to it. But but so effectively, there's no wrong way to plant the daffodil. Right. Right. So just get them in. Get, get them in. into the soil. And um, generally speaking... They'll kind of
0: sort themselves yeah, out. As
1: a rule of thumb, bulbs should be planted twice their own depth. So if you've got a bulb that's an inch long, plant it three inches deep, have two inches of soil above it. Um, so twice their own depth is, is the normal recommendation uh, for planting all bulbs. Okay. So the smaller bulbs, give it close to the surface, the bigger bulbs, down with them. And daffodils vary. The Jetfire is a dwarf, variety. Others, like Monk Hood, have a big bulb, you know, the size of a garlic bulb, so they need to go down so like a little and bit and deeper. You, and you've got a and big they're a taller, yeah, they're a taller bulb. But bulbs are
0: yeah, Just there's so. a million more. upside
1: down, yeah. and they still grow. <laughs>
0: Now, I had a great display of calla lilies two years ago and only poor foliage since. Even with feeding, I've lifted the bulbs and I'm just wondering what's the best thing to do with them?
1: Well, first of all, there's no need to lift calla lilies. Calla lilies is, um, so in the calla lily family, you've got the arum lilies, you've got the beautiful beak white common variety and then you've got lots of others like um, uh, artistotle, which is a lovely kind of purple variety. So there's dwarf varieties as well. But they're all perfectly hardy out of doors. So there's no need to be lifting them. And that may be what's what the listener is doing and maybe it's, it's setting the plant back a bit. So leave the calla lilies to flower in the garden soil. Often in their first year, you you might buy them in the garden centre and they'll be in flower and then the second year they produce a lot of foliage but that's just the plant putting on a bit of bulk because it's got into the freedom of the soil it's putting on a bit of energy and and leafy growth and then the following year after that you get lots of flowers and they tend to be reliable after that so calla lilies shouldn't be lifted they should be left in the soil Soil. they like a moist retentive soil and calla lilies will often particularly the white common one will often grow in ponds it'll grow with its feet in water. So it's, it's, that, it's quite happy with it's, wet. It, yeah, and it needs a kind of a, it does need a, a moist, retentive soil. The soil is very dry. calilies are are better put into a, soil that's mm. a little bit damper or put plenty of compost or farm manure down with them when planting. But leave them out for the winter there's no need to lift them.
0: Uh, now I'm trying to grow outdoor hydrangea from cuttings. If I'm successful do I keep them indoors or outside for the winter?
1: Well they will be hardy out of doors so the, the trick at the moment is to take them roughly pencil and pencil thickness take off any flowers, you know you've heard me say this until mm. times, dip them into the rooting powder and you can put them quite close together into pot. A gritty compost is required for hydrangeas and they take about 6 to 8 Eight weeks to root. Once rooted, uh, you can, if you've got somewhere like a greenhouse or a tunnel or a conservatory, somewhere kind of cool but out of the elements, that's at the perfect location for them. Alternatively, you can put them up against a wall, maybe out of doors. They will drop all their leaves, remember that, and they'll look dead for the winter they'll only have the naked stems for the winter but we'll come into leaf then in March and you can leave them in the same pot that they've rooted until March and then pot them up so they'll be perfectly fine out of doors obviously don't put them somewhere the wind and the misery of winter is going to be beating them around the place. But if you have an outdoor cloche or even a sheltered wall or a spot that's the spot for them for the winter.
0: Now can you suggest a vigorous evergreen hardy climber? Yes, I know, be careful what you wish for but it's a large area to cover a fence around an oil tank, says the listener. Uh, and maybe a combination of climbers to have the evergreen coverage but also of something that will uh, kind of mix in with that, a flowering climber for spring, summer. I love the red climbing ivy I see around this time of the year. So wondering which of any suggestions and it must be sea and wind tolerant ah. because we're needed to see. That's quite a speck listener.
1: It's a difficult one and it depends on yeah. the level of So it.
0: evergreen, mixing in with climbing, we like okay. the red and yeah. we're by the sea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and look, and you see, that's why deciduous plants do well in seaside areas because they're not physically there to be battered and bed for the winter with the salt in the air. So it all depends on the level of exposure that you have because evergreen plants, if they're going to be there for the winter, the salt in the air is going to damage them yeah. um, now if here's a plant that I, I've actually planted in, in, in my garden probably two years ago it's a plant called Clematis Winter Beauty right sounds good to me extremely vigorous Beautiful, uh, leathery, long foliage. The, the the leaves are broad and they're long. Um, it flowers. The flower buds are actually on it at the moment. I was looking at them during the week. The little white, and they have a white bell-shaped flower. If people Google it, so it's a variety called Clematis Winter Beauty. So it's evergreen. It's fast-growing. It flowers. It'll come into flower now in November and flower it through until March or April of next year. And it's got these small white nodding flowers. And I have it growing up through ivy. So it's growing through. So it's using the ivy for support. So I didn't have to put up any other trellis. Mm. I literally just planted it at the edge of the ivy and off it's It's gone. gone. And it just, it's a really fast, easy to grow plant. Now, depending on the level of exposure, will obviously determine whether that plant will tolerate the salt and, and the wind but that's a really great evergreen kind of as you were saying reading the question I was saying tick 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 until <laughs> we came to the seaside bit. so it depends on the level of exposure for seaside areas there is the the, the listener mentioned the um, Virginia creeper there is an evergreen form called Sissus striata which is the evergreen Virginia creeper which retains the leaf in winter now it doesn't have the same intensity of red it goes a more plummy red colour for winter but it does hold the photo. Fo- and it is quite a vigorous climber so look for that in your local garden centre a plant called Cissus striata and it has evergreen leaves that go once the weather gets cold you get that redness in the leaf you know that kind of plummy red colour comes into the evergreen Mm. leaf but it's quite a vigorous climber and that will be certainly one to try as well in the seaside area failing all that if it's very exposed there is a deciduous hydrangea called hydrangea petiolaris which does well in seaside areas. So it's a climbing hydrangea plant. It clings to the wall itself. So it actually roots to the wall itself like ivy and off it goes and it drops the leaf at this time of year. So hence it protects itself for the winter. Mm. Generally Virginia creepers work well in seaside areas. And most seaside areas you'll see Virginia creeper working well. But for me, that winter beauty is a lovely. The, is the,
0: is, it should be top of the list. Anyway. Yeah, it's
1: a nice little thing. And the fact that it flowers in winter, well, you know what else, you, what, yeah,
0: what else do you need? Okay, well, good luck with that, listener. A Great description of what was required. Uh, one or two more quick ones before we get to finish up, Horik. Uh I have a potato garden. It's my first year setting the garden. There's worms attacking the potatoes, a thin yellow worm about an inch long. How will I get rid of them and can I set the garden for next year?
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like wireworm okay. and, and wireworm will attack potatoes again next year. They tend to stay in the soil for, you know, at least uh, 12 months, 18 months. Um, wireworm will generally be a problem in the soil. And, and particularly for new ground, particularly if you've kind of turned a, a lawn area or a grassland area over to potatoes, you sometimes get wireworm in the soil. I would grow something different in that, so potatoes are not affected by wireworm Um, so anything in the, poda- or, sorry, did I say potatoes? Potato. Cabbage. cabbage, cabbage, I should say. Cabbage, <laughs> anything in the cabbage family. So Brussels sprouts, cauliflowers, lettuce are not attacked by them as well. Swiss chard. So most vegetables, apart from potatoes, are not affected by wireworm. So leave it fallow of potatoes for this year and grow something else. Onions, maybe what? onions or garlic or something different Let's get until rid of the such time worm. that the wireworm actually uh, hatch and, and, and move off.
0: Brilliant. The, can the garlic be grown from seed heads off garlic plants? Well they can
1: yeah you can sow but it'll take many years to get to build up the bulb and that's the way that all bulbs are grown they're taken from the seed or little offsets of, of bulblets and, and but it takes you know when you buy your traditional daffodil it's generally three years old
0: Right, I've a lot of ants and flies in my tunnel all summer. If they've done a lot of damage to my tomatoes and strawberries, I just have a few vegetables in the tunnel now. What would you recommend to tackle this?
1: Well, you could use that winter wash that I mentioned. That um, so, sorry, yeah, winter wash is that what it's called? Winter. Let me get it here. It's uh, winter, yeah, winter tree wash. Use that. So that's I mentioned that in the tunnel. You you can use it in the tunnel. Actually, it's very safe for edible plants. You can actually even put it on the leaf of plants. Um, so that that would be and that would be actually perfect to use this time of year and um, it'll read the pack at the back but it states clearly that it can be used both on inside and outdoor uh, vegetable edible plants so that's what I would use it's actually safe to use as well it's not a pesticide as such Okay. Yeah. so okay. it works in a specific way so it's sold as Vitex Winter Tree Wash it's normally used on apples and pears and that and on roses but you can actually use it in your tunnel to kind of cleanse the tunnel of Clean- pests Okay.
0: great well we'll pause on that note, I know we didn't get to mention, but the artisan producers the, continuing the, in work They are and,
1: and we're getting a great response and they're going to run right through to the weekend and believe it or not, we're actually going to, our Christmas shop opens today how about that how sad is that but it's funny well, I think I was I th- I think we
0: all need a little bit of a lift so I don't, think, I don't think any of us are going to mind if Christmas starts a little early this no, year no my
1: staff were delighted this week to, have, to be able to work on something that was you know I don't think that, I didn't hear the word Covid mentioned all week that
0: didn't involve two <laughs> metres uh, yeah, signs with two yeah, metres yeah. and things like that well all that's, that. that's, so that's, the that's good so Christmas shop yeah.
1: open, so people are knocking around this weekend drop down and the artists and producers are, are there ok brilliant
0: so uh, we're back again next week back
1: again next week and we'll, and we'll do it all again hopefully the weekend the weather is going to be Uh, Yes, conducive. But my advice really is use the next two days. There's lots to be done and and plenty of planting to be done. Okay,
0: great stuff. Well, thanks a million for all of that. Don't forget the programme is podcast Uh, in round about half an hour's time. You'll be able to download that from our website, midwestradio.ie. Stand by, Michael Neary coming your way next after the news at 10, of course. The very best in country right through until one o'clock from me for the moment. Good morning to you.